With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. For confidence in your financial plan, look for a CFP professional. When your financial advisor earns the CFP certification, it means he or she is trained to provide ethical financial planning across a holistic range of topics, from retirement and investing to taxes and estate planning, all in your best interest. So, with a CFP professional, you'll feel confident in your financial plan today and tomorrow. Three letters do make a difference. Visit letsmakeaplan.org to find your CFP professional. Attention Social Security and SSI recipients. If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov EIP to see if you need to file a tax return and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Hello everybody and welcome to the Premier League Nightclub Podcast. My name is Damon and with me today I just have Woody. Woody, it's the start of a series of episodes... Without Sam, because he's left us. It is. So we're, we're kicking off the December Christmas period, and we haven't got Sammy in our ranks. Yeah, I think it's for about, a month, about a month, he said last About a month, week. so yeah. I think that'll be about six or seven episodes, I think, over the course of December. With the sed- schedule we've got coming up, we need to pump out as many as we can. Yeah, of course, those midweek games. Should we explain to the people how we're sort of going to go about it? Because obviously... We've been sticking with the weekly yeah, schedule. Can, mate, completely agree with you. So our schedule is going to change. So what what we try and do, is we, we try and release an episode at the end of every round. Yeah. So whether that be a two-day turnaround or a three-day turnaround, we're still going to need to try and pump out, pump out an episode because we, we can't leave two weeks of news left. Yeah, it's t- we can't fit it all in. We, and we don't want to miss out on big games. For example, we've got Man United Tottenham in about two days' time. And then there's a Manchester derby in like four days on the weekend. So if we left it a whole week, it'd be too hard to get all that information in. So exactly. That's like three Liverpool games in seven days as well. So, and that's just not something that we can just bypass. Yeah. So we will probably, be, as you said, Woody, we'll try and pump them out after each match week. And, you know, we'll obviously be keeping you updated on the socials as to when they're coming out as, you know, as best we can. Yeah, of course, of course. But nonetheless, Damo, it's been a pretty big week. Um, just before we get stuck into the round, Freddie Lundberg is the new face of Arsenal for the rest of the season, isn't he? He is. Unai Emery was uh, shown the door. 
showing the door. After we pretty much said he was gone on last week's episode when we did that manager discussion. So, you know, not to, not to you know, toot our own horns, but the, the nightclub got it right. And I think we might be right about a few others in the coming weeks, of course. Some more disappointment for Everton and Marco Silva, which we'll get into a little bit later. Oof, mate, that uh, one cut deep. In saying that, though, Woody, I am doing your job a little bit here. So I'll hand it over to you <laughs> for those quick-fire results. So to kick off the round, Newcastle drew 2-0 with Man City. Liverpool beat Brighton 2-1 with a red card. Palace down Burnley 2-0. West Ham got a much-needed win over Chelsea 1-0. Tottenham beat Bournemouth 3-2. Southampton down Watford 2-1. Norwich and Arsenal drew 2-1. Sheffield and Wolves drew 1-0. Leicester downed Everton in a late, late thriller 2-1. And to cap off the round, Man United drew with Aston Villa 2-2. Yep, a good cap off to the round, to be honest. But yet again, another 3.30am wake up for the boys. Mate, it absolutely epitomises why we are called the Premier League nightclub. It is all worth it, though. We absolutely love it, and that's why we do this. Live and breathe. Anyway, what do you... One reason we call it the nightclub is because of the late wake-up, early wake-ups, I should say. But there is a game we always try and chip in for, and that's the 11.30 kickoff, the, the early kickoff the on The late Saturday. starts, the late starts on the Saturday night. They're good fun, and it was no different this weekend because we're going to have a look at now Newcastle versus Manchester City. Atsu's going to take it. Left-footed. Rolled back, Shelby. Hits it. Oh, yes! Oh, yes! John Joe Shelby! Well, John Joe Shelby absolutely whacked one in after Kevin De Bruyne. I mean, what what a game it was, Woody. You, you were watching it live, weren't you? Yeah, I was. I, I tuned in, and I was, I was. Yeah, like I said before, it was. I was. I was expecting City to to give Newcastle an absolute spanking. Yeah, let's be real. Who wasn't? Who wasn't? But then heading into the game, you know, it, it just it just seemed like City. We're nowhere near what we've seen in the last few weeks and nowhere near where that should be actually to be challenging Liverpool, which we know the gap only widened. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was, it was a weird game to watch, to be honest. It was really weird, really yeah. weird to watch. Well, I feel like uh, the case was, all right, Sterling put to the way of goal early in the game. Uh, that flick from David Silver in the build up is like, when I was watching it, goal. I was like, Ooh. oh, oh. Ooh. I was like, was that a challenge that's, you know, just spilt to <laughs> Sterling? But no, that was class from David Silva. And so when that goes in, everyone's thinking, okay, here we go. And I'm sure even the Newcastle fans at St. James's Park were thinking, okay, here we go. Yeah. But no, Willems, I love his name, Willems. <laughs> w- Willems comes in and yeah. he, he did it at Anfield, scored a belter at Anfield. And it was a quality finish again in front of the home fans this time. And it was 1-1. And look, it just... Again, it epitomizes this point we've made so, so often that this Manchester City defense, they get, they're, at the moment, they look so, so easy to penetrate. And that was pretty much the story for the whole game. Like, I already said that De Bruyne hit the back of the net and then straight away Shelby hit back. And it just, again, epitomizes this thing that City have where teams just sit back. All they have to do is work hard. You know, all right, easier said than done. But teams know and have it gives them confidence knowing that if they work hard, defend really, really well, and set up properly, 
that City are vulnerable, more vulnerable than they've ever been for the last 24 months to 30 months, let's be real. Look, I completely agree with you, and that's actually a really interesting point that that you brought up about Shelby. So I think the best way to look at this game is to perhaps, perhaps start from the end of the game okay, yep. and look at Shelby's goal and what it sort of meant for City and then also what it meant for Newcastle as well. So Shelby's goal was no doubt a key moment in the game. It brought the game back to two near, uh, two all, sorry, um, which meant Newcastle and City shared the points. But just before Shelby's goal, Guardiola went into, I guess, sort of a, a, a keep what we have mode. Which I spoke about a little bit last week. As exactly. Well. And so he subbed Gabriel Jesus for Rodri. Now, this left City, I guess, in a position where they were forced to put more emphasis on defense, which I think put Newcastle, therefore, in a position which made them more confident to attack because City were no longer dominating possession. They were forced. They City knew they had to sit back yep. and, and try and hold what that, the lead that they thought they had. Now, looking at Shelby's goal, it was much due to City, I guess, falling asleep when they set up for the Newcastle set piece. Do you know who, who the guy was that didn't close Shelby down in time? The man who got subbed on. Rodri. Yeah, Rodri. It's funny how that happens, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> it's exactly what we spoke about last week. Captain Hindsight with the substitutions. Far <laughs> out. Um, yeah, but uh, look, but the thing is though, even if Rodri wasn't there, everyone was in the city penalty box. They, they bottled they just, it. Yeah, I, I, it's unexplainable. John Joe Shelby as well. Like we know the talent this guy has. 27 years old. He's played for a top club in Liverpool. Okay, it probably didn't work out as well as he would have liked. But we know he's one of Newcastle's better players now. His, his form, I would say, his form is going to be the defining factor in whether Newcastle stay up or not. Is, would you think oh, that? Completely agree. And I think last week we talked about teams giving other teams too much respect. But in this position, City did not give Shelby any respect at all when marking yeah. him. And so they left him completely open and, to be honest with you, like it wasn't a belter of a strike. He just side-footed it, but it curled so much that, you know, Edison didn't even look like he was even going to get near it, and he didn't. So, mm-hmm. you know, they just gave him way too much respect, which which proved to be a pretty routine training uh, drill. Yeah, I think City almost fell into a false sense of security, especially in that moment when Shelby scored. But look, let's be real. City had 76.4% possession. Back to their old ways, something they didn't, they couldn't get at home against Chelsea. So... Yeah, they were confident in their own ability to keep the ball with Rodri on the field or not. I'm not talking about his substitution. But at the end of the day, Aguero's, Aguero was missing and he is missing for probably another few games. Yeah. And we spoke about it last week about whether that, whether City can deal with him missing. And we probably said for the most part, yes. And look, they, City dominated the game for most parts. Uh, no one's challenging that statement at all. They were in control. Newcastle just took their moments well, which you have to do to beat the big teams. But I just want to look at three key three key moments which City must be, you know, still having nightmares about. Yeah, and I, 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 it's really interesting you brought this up because when you were messaging me during the game, you were so critical about City's finishing, livid, livid. I, I just thought I kept saying to you, Woody, because at the moment, at this time, it was like a lot of these moments were one-one because yeah. the game was one-one for a long period of time. And I was like, mate, this isn't going to end well for City. This isn't going to end well. You, should, you could see Pep on the sideline. He was getting angsty. Not, not quite as angsty as he got at Anfield. <laughs> but he was getting quite angsty. And the first one was Gabriel Jesus, one-on-one uh, with <clears throat> sorry, with Debra- 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 Debravka. Debravka. And Debravka, 
uh, in a one-on-one. And honestly, at first I thought good save, but in all honesty, that was a poor finish. He he had time and he just literally kicked it straight at the keeper. Bernardo Silva, expect much better from him. Mate, at- when he came on, I thought the game was going to flick. It was. I thought it was going you know, to well and truly tilt into City's favour. And he just fluffed his lines. He with that fluffed shot. it so bad. Uh, like, if there was another goal to the, the right, his right still wouldn't have gone in. All right, so for those that didn't see this, I just sort of want to portray how bad Silva's miss was. Mm-hmm. He was top of the six-yard box. And sort of two, he, he was offside originally because it was a bit of like kerfuffle with the yeah, ball. But then because it, it touched the defender. Yeah, he came back on him. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. was probably three yards either side clear of a defender. He could have taken two or three touches. Easy. Anyway, he had a shot and from the top of the six yard box, it went about five yards wide. <laughs> and it didn't even get off the ground. It he completely terrible. scuffed it. It Very came off like the him. inside of his heel. Very unlike him, exactly. And the commentators, they were going nuts because they were, when he came on, all we heard was how much class Bernardo Silva has. Mm. Newcastle are in for it now. But he did not change the game at all. Mm. At all. If anything, it was probably defensively top ten, viable. Top 10 in the Ballon d'Or this year, which we'll go into a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> mate. All right, and yeah. just quickly, finally, Raheem Sterling in the final moments of the game. Dubravka pulled off a really good save on this one. I'll give him, I'll give Sterling the benefit of the doubt here, but that was a really good save. But Sterling probably believed at the time we should have scored. Look, I mean, we can't criticize Sterling. He's, he's been involved in 15 goals in all competitions. That's level with Raul Jimenez for most in the league. Like, let's be real. He's here. been amazing. If we're, if we're criticizing attacking players, it's not Raheem Sterling. Yeah. And I guess the one city player you can't really attack for this game was KDB. I mean, De Bruyne, he was involved in six goals in six Premier League games um, against Newcastle, scoring so two and assisting four. He loves playing him. And it showed against this game, scored an absolute belter, which actually has won our vote and will become our goal of the week. Yep, that'll be Wednesday, Wednesday night Australian Sure will. Um, and he was giving his all the whole day. Only City player that didn't stop running, didn't stop trying, creating chances. And no one, I don't think anyone could knock the game that he played on the weekend. Yeah, I couldn't. No one. No one. He did his job. Yeah. He did his job. I, I guess one thing I do want to just touch on about City's defending, I know we pretty much started with it, Woody, but I think we should end with it, if that's all right yeah, with you. Yeah, sure thing. And it's Kyle Walker, and I've spoken about his form a little bit this season. I, I don't, I'm not going to necessarily sit here and say Kyle Walker needs to be dropped and Cancelo should be playing. I don't mind Kyle Walker. I think even out of form, he's a really good player, and he still is a really good player. And I think he will get back into that England team, but... I just the way City play with their inverted fullbacks and almost playing as another attacking midfielder at times. I think it's a little bit arrogant now. It's getting. It, it was when I first saw it. You know, for the first two years, it was confident. revolutionary. It's revolutionary. It's confident. Even the start of this season, it's confident. All right. Oh, like how about that for confidence? He's got Fernandinho at centre back behind him, and he's still willing to do it. But for the last month, if not probably since that Wolves game where they lost two 0 at Wolves. Ever since then, they short. I don't know if Pep's not doing anything about it or the fullbacks are not changing the way they're playing, but the space, the space Maxi Man Amaron got in that, in those pockets behind Kyle Walker were, it was pretty grim. I'm going to be honest. And there was no change in the system from City to stop this. And that, and Newcastle, as I said just before, Newcastle gained confidence from this. Okay. They weren't winning the game for large parts, but they knew their moment would come because of the way City were arrogant about the way they set up. Yeah. 
like, and I think that's something that we noted as well when, I guess, we know that a few defenders are back. When, but when Laporte went down, we know that Fernandinho would have to go back. Yeah, are we, are we, does it get to the point now where if it wasn't for City's confidence and ability to win games at the front half of the pitch, are City genuinely in trouble to make top four? I'm, I, I know they get, they're gonna make top four. Yeah. But, does it, if any other team in the Premier League had this back four that they're running with at the moment, Surely we'd be considering them... I mean, they're not even the best city in the league at the moment. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, look, I'd agree with you. And if you, you look at the rest of the top four, Liverpool, you know... They're probably going to win the league. Probably going to win the league. Yep. But let's, let's shoot in their will. Mm-hmm. Best defense in the league. Best best fullbacks in the world. Yep. Best center back in the world. Yep. Right? Leicester. Probably the best runner, best the best... Center defensive mid. defensive mid. In the Premier League at the moment, all right? Probably next to Fabinho, but we can't really count him. He's out for the next six to eight weeks. Yep. Okay. Their full backs are probably the best two behind. Best Liverpool. two behind Liverpool, and their centre backs are playing out of their skins. Yeah. Out of their skins. Chelsea, mate, they are playing with that much confidence. It is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So much swagger, and it takes so much to knock a team off their perch. I don't think the West Ham game is gonna. Knock them too much. Mm-hmm. I don't think it will. I think Lampard's the type of manager that won't let it affect yeah, them too the, much. Their rave, the wave of confidence they're riding, not going to fade. Mm-hmm. All right? Even Sheffield, they those those three centre-backs they're playing are playing out of their skins. Out of their skins. Sam so, even put in one of, one of them, John Egan, in his um, team of the season. Team of the season. Yeah. So and are you saying that... I'm saying out around the, the man, around Man City on the table is... Yeah, it, a, head and shoulders above where they are at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that Laporte injury, we knew it was going to be bad, but we didn't think it was going to be this bad. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot. When a reporter asked Pep a couple of days ago whether, you know, does he prefer Fernandinho over Stones and Otamendi, and just straight up he was like, yeah, well, that's why he's playing. Okay, uh, maybe not the most intelligent question by the reporter, but it's it's a bit concerning, you know. These are uh, Otamendi was not a Pep Guardiola player. He was signed during Pellegrini's time. But... Guardiola went out of his way to pick up John Stones, so the lack of confidence he's showing in him right now. He put now, a lot of effort into getting him as yeah, well. Yeah. Same with Laporte. It was, yeah, there was, the John Stones one I remember from Everton, there was a lot of, lot of talk about Drama that. as yeah. well. Yeah. Anyway, are we happy to wrap up that game? I think, yeah, look. Cause, I mean, we're going to talk about City heaps during the season, no doubt. Yeah. Ho- you know, hopefully they can put some more pressure on Liverpool, I hate to use that <laughs> phrase, but at the moment it's looking pretty grim for them. It is, it has to be. And I think we have to put a bow on it because at the end of the day, like, City is city. We know we'll bounce back, but it just... Quickly, do you think Newcastle will stay up? Uh, no. You think they're going down? Yeah. I won't ask who's who's staying up then. We'll just leave it at that. I, yep. I think they'll stay up. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Alrighty. Do we want to get stuck into our next segment, Woody? Oh, I'd love to. And we love it. Don't we, Damo? We do. I, I'm just waiting, waiting for it, waiting for it. Here <laughs> it goes. Winners and losers. Oi, did someone say winners and losers? Sure did, mate. Oh, so good. <laughs> unreal, unreal. All right, I'm going to start with my winner, if that's all right yeah, with you. love to. I am going with Jack Grealish as my winner. Now, I'm not, I, I know Aston Villa didn't get the win at Old Trafford on the weekend, but I'm looking at this from more uh, uh, individual perspective. Now, Jack Grealish, obviously been a lot of talk about him not being included in the England squad quite yet. But I think when I look at all the resumes of the players he's coming up against, I'm talking your Madisons, your Mounts. I know they don't play exactly the same position, but 
Jack Grealish is probably not going to get a role on the left wing when you're fighting against Rashford and Sterling. And the main reason I say this is because of the clubs they play. So then I look at, okay, well, why does James Matt? Okay, I know Leicester is second. But why why did Madison get a look in really early in the season after doing well for Leicester and we didn't know Leicester were going to do this well? And it's because he had goals at Anfield. He had a goal uh, at home to Spurs and he also scored against Arsenal. I know the Arsenal goal was just a few weeks ago. But the point I'm making is that Madison had performances against big clubs. Jack Grealish on the weekend was unbelievable and scored an absolute belter at Old Trafford. He now has on his resume a performance against Manchester United. It's making it very, very difficult to not pick him for the English squad. And it's not like this is a, you know... Isolated event. Yeah, yeah. And it's not like he's just having a good run of form. Yeah. he's He was their best player last season in the championship. He got six goals, eight assists. And he was primarily playing through the midfield as well. Exactly. Nowhere, no, nothing like the advanced role he's playing on the wing at the moment. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's also brings back to the point where he can play the Madison or Mount role if required. And I think, yeah, before England go to the Euros... Southgate's going to want to give Grealish a chance to see what he can do at an oh, international level. And Damo, we love we love Jack Grealish. We love watching him play. We love his calves as well. Oh, <laughs> no, Woody, I die for calves like those. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your winner? All right, so my winner is Danny Ings. The Saints frontman has now scored in his last three games against Watford, Arsenal, and Everton. And I guess Southampton is showing a lot more bite than what they did before their 9-0 loss to Leicester. So are you looking at this from an individual point of view with Ings or Southampton in general? Well, I'll start with Ings, but then also if you look at James Ward-Prowse as well, he's also scored three goals in his last four games. Mm-hmm. So no doubt Southampton is showing a bit of form as well. Yep. Right, And Ward-Prowse being that goal-scoring midfielder. He's, he can take a free kick, that bloke. He can. Time. He has a, a boot on him and a half. Anyway, back to Ings. So the 27-year-old only scored four goals for Liverpool in his spell there. However, a lot of red supporters now I've seen on Twitter, Insta and Facey, saying that they would love him back instead of Wobi. Really? Yeah. That he would be able to do a better job as a Liverpool backup than what's currently yeah, there. He's a Liverpool legend now. I don't know if many are going to be happy with you saying that, Woody. I don't know. But I, I'm just I'm, I'm just regurgitating what I'm hearing on Twitter. That's fair. To be honest fair. with you. That's fair. Yeah. So, you know, clearly he's showing a bit of game. But Damo, nevertheless, we'll move on. Who is your loser of the week? My loser is actually Chelsea. We did mention it just before, Woody. But the reason why Chelsea are my loser, as I said, I don't think they're going to be stressed too much in terms of a long-term plan. Obviously, Chelsea have probably got bigger things on their mind in terms of you know season after season rather than just this season because of their situation. But, look, they lost to West Ham for the first time in 17 years at Stamford Bridge. Um, and so West Ham get their first win there in 13 attempts. But one, the one thing that sticks out for me is Chelsea didn't commit a foul the whole game. That's the only time oh. that that's ever happened in a in a Chelsea... I think it's a Chelsea game, but it might be Premier League game since the modern uh, statistical people have come in in 2003. Jeez. Now... All right, you might, some might sit here and say, okay, does that just mean they put in some really good tackles all game? They only made seven all day. Now, I've watched a lot of games of football in my life. Cool. There is no way that they went through their game only required to put in seven tackles. I know that's 66% possession, but it's not like West Ham didn't have the ball at all. I think Chelsea potentially came into this one thinking they were about to put Pellegrini to the sword, some, a team that was already on their knees, and instead West Ham came out and delivered an 
you know, pretty incredible victory if we're being honest. Yeah. So and yeah, probably- West Ham could have easily been my winner here, but I went with because of that stat. I went with Chelsea being yeah, the loser. To be honest, Pellegrini survived another week. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, Woody, who's your loser? Bit of an odd one here. It's hard to it's hard to pick a team that has only extended their league and probably guaranteed themselves the title. But my loser is actually Liverpool, Jeez. and and the reason is because late last week Liverpool lost Fabinho, um, who's now going to miss the next ten to twelve games through all comps. Klopp said during the week that they're not one hundred percent what the time frame is going to be, but they know for sure he's going to miss all the Christmas fixtures and potentially into the new year. So he he also went uh, went on to say that they have solutions in the problem, which we saw Hendo come in in the Champions League um, and, and Ox coming in as well. But however, against Napoli, once Fabinho went down, Liverpool sort of lost their mojo. And I, I can't help but think that if Liverpool cop another strain or another injury, they're going to start dropping points in the league. Um, and I think the rest of the league... As much as you hate to say, we'll be hoping this sort of happens because over the Christmas fixtures, we know that once you come out of Christmas, honestly, if, if you're ahead by a good margin, then then you're facing a pretty good chance of finishing up. Yeah, what's the what's the phrase in sailing? Like you got a wet sail and just like going straight yeah. to the end. Wet, Is that wet yeah. sail, good wet sail. Thanks, nice, mate. Nice. Yeah, no. so yeah, that's definitely what they will have. <laughs> what many teams will have out coming home with a wet sail. Yeah, that's the phrase. Alrighty, do you want to get stuck into our next game? Let's do it. Leicester versus Everton. Everton now lose in possession. Tillemans runs away with it. Inside the centre circle. Ricardo's overlapping. Oh, is the ball through to Ianacho? He's offside. Flag goes up. Ianacho finishes brilliantly, but he's offside. The flag went up a long time ago. Ianacho doesn't realise it, and now he looks. He, he went through with a very good celebration. And we thought that was it until this happened. Has given the goal. Leicester City. Courtesy of Felicia Ianacho. Yeah, absolute scenes at the King Power. Unbelievable. Oh. Honestly, like, can we just get stuck straight into the VAR? Please, incident? I'd love to because that was a three-minute affair. All right, all right, you can have a talk about the time, but I actually thought that game was the best, overall, the best use of VAR we've had all season. Anyone comes out with a criticism of that other than maybe the time, Woody, that you've just mentioned? Matt, I, to be honest with you, I was happy for the time to be restricted because... It was just a ripper game. <laughs> it just wanted it, to keep going. I just wanted to keep going. It was amazing. It was so good to watch. Yeah, you know, I actually had both screens. I was watching. Launch your career in global business with Georgetown University's full-time MBA, ranked ninth in the U.S. overall by the Financial Times. Explore the program at choosegeorgetown.com/mba. United Villa and Everton. Oh, uh, that's huge. To, to be honest. Both games were pretty good, but I know we're talking about uh, Leicester Everton here. But yeah, no, the the VAR situation. Firstly, we talk about the penalty that Chua was awarded. Yep. Uh, okay, maybe should have been booked for simulation after it was decided that it wasn't a penalty. But I sort of understand why they didn't give it because you know, if anyone who's played any sort of sport similar to soccer or soccer, you understand that. You know, sometimes when avoiding contact, you do fall over and it can look like a bit of a dive, but yeah. it might not be a dive. Anyway, all I'm saying is that's perfect use of VAR. Every single referee in the world gives that. But then the replay showed that there actually was no contact. Good decision. Even Brendan Rogers spoke about it after the game. He said that it was a win for VAR today. And also, for the goal that Ineatro scored, well done to the referee. I don't know why the linesman put up his flag straight away. Isn't there instruction to not put up the flag and wait for the player to play. Um, what would have happened? Well, we've seen, it was very early on, I think it was an early Chelsea game, where the the linesman put up his flag and Chelsea went on a score, and then from there on, they had to call it back because he put out his flag yeah. and they had to call it back for a free kick. Yeah, so imagine if 
all the you know imagine if Mina put his hand up when when he saw the flag and different stopped. Story. It would be a different story. Does the referee then have to blow his whistle because you know if Iniesta then goes on to score, it could be oh, but the ref put uh, the linesman put his flag up, inter- it interfered with the play. But no, the ref kept the game going. No one stopped. Brilliant refereeing and brilliant use of VAR. And I think it says a lot that Everton were probably... It's not like Everton was sitting there complaining about the decision. They were just obviously heartbroken about the results. So I think that alone tells us that VAR got a win. Definitely won't be a part of Woody's whip. No, <laughs> it, it, de- it definitely won't be. And mate, that 94th minute from uh, minute winner from Ian Archer was amazing. Absolute hero moment as well. And Damon, I want to ask you about Ian Archer because... He came on and he sort of he changed Leicester's system, didn't he? And he, and he pr- proved to be the winner. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen anything like this from Brendan Rodgers as Leicester this season, to be honest. Uh, Everton came, you know, people can have their opinions on whether Everton should be playing like this, but they played pretty much a 5-4-1. It was a three-back, but let's be real, it was a 5-4-1. And so it, they got the, once you go down to a team playing 5-4-1, it's very, very difficult to win the game, let alone get back into it. So Rodgers, pretty much with about half an hour to go, Brought on Iniesta for Perez, and they pretty much switched to a three-back. Chilwell went into a left centre-back role, and they had Barnes as the more attacking uh, wing-back, and Ricardo Pereira as the more defensive wing-back. And look, Vardy very, very rarely plays with another striker next to him. But it worked. It worked, including the man that came on, Iniesta, assist and a goal. And credit to him as well. I mean, he spoke about it after the game. I was watching the post-match interview, and he even said, like, in other words, I know that I'm never going to be a starting striker for Leicester City at the moment. No one's taking Jamie Vardy out of that team. But he, you know, keep training hard, keep alert, and that moment will come, and it did on the weekend. And, you know, if, if Leicester can pull off a miracle somehow and actually, you know, it's not even a miracle anymore. They've done it once. No doubt they can do it again. But it, let's just say Leicester did somehow win the league by two points. Mm. People will be talking about that game from Ineatra. He'd... He should be very, very proud of his performance. It was, it was very good. I hadn't seen that from him, to be honest. Even when he was at City, I'd never, I didn't think he was capable of something like that. That's actually something that I think a lot of people forget is that Vardy actually did play with a striker when Okazaki played. Yes, that is true. Yeah, and, and a lot of people, a 4-4-2, for, yeah, yeah, and a lot of people forget that Okazaki was sort of sim- sitting as that false nine behind Vardy, mm-hmm. right? And, and I think, We've just seen Leicester be so successful with their um, counter-attacking play in the last few years. People just forget to, that what they used to play like. Yeah. And these players, like Vardy, has it ingrained in his system. He can play. He can play as a counter-attacking striker. He can play with someone as well. So there was no surprise that he worked well with Ian Archer. And I think that's what a lot of people forget. That they're very quick to forget the last few years, mm-hmm. right? And I reckon that sort of plays credit also to Leicester and system, and also how Rodgers manages the players, because we know he managed the players very well so far this season, and he's only continually doing so, so far this season I've, as well. I've got a question for you, Woody. Hit me. Leicester have now won six games in a row. Yeah. Um, they're, well, for the first time since their club record run of seven in 1963. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you think... This team would beat the team that won the league in 2016. Uh, oh, that's oh, that's a really tough question. That's a bit of a demo dilemma there. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say, I'll say yes, but you know what? I, the reason I, I think the the team that won the league would you, would not win this season. Yeah, I, I, yeah. But, I think- and I'd say that because back when Leicester went, the top six. 
although they weren't as much as a shambles as they were now, they were still a fragment of what they have been in the last few seasons. Yeah, that is true. I think, like, no one was horrendous, but no one was good at the time either. Yeah, but but now, then, now three are horrendous. But back then, the gulf between amazing. the top six and the mid-table was still there. Yeah. There was that's a huge what gulf. so impressive. Yeah, exactly. So there was the mid-table, the top six, and then Leicester. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, I think there's much more of a mix. There's much more of a divide I between... I go as far as to say as Madison and Didi and Tillemans are the most complete young midfield in the world. I couldn't find... I could go through every top and not top club and I can't find a midfield that young and that complete. That's a big call. That's a huge call. You come back to me next week, would you? <laughs> no, but I'm just I'm just looking at the, the run they've got and I just can't see them, you know... I can see them furthering that... Uh, like, closing that gap between you Liverpool. Can? Yeah, 100%. They play Watford, they play Villa, Norwich, and then they get into City. And then Liverpool. So those three games that they've got against Watford, Villa, and Norwich, they can't drop. They can't drop sure a point win. because Liverpool have an easy draw as well. Yeah. All right. And if they can manage to grab a point, then that City Liverpool game, you know, they're going to be huge. Mm-hmm. They're going to be absolutely massive. They're probably going to be some title race deciders, and yeah. they will shift shift the context of the season. Hundred percent. All right, lastly, we will touch on Everton, and I yep. felt so sorry for Marco Silva when, when that goal was given. Yep. He, the look on and his face. The look face. on his face. Have you never seen a manager more dejected I felt, I in felt any so game bad. I've ever watched? I, I felt so bad for him. Everton they were put good. They put in a shift. Yeah. They put in a shift. And I think one man that was credit to that was um, Sadebe, who was an unlikely hero for Everton. Right, especially in the first half before Leicester changed the system. Provided the assist for Richarlison, mm-hmm. right? Strong in his tackles all day. Endlessly working up and down his line. Box to box, epitomizing the game. Did not stop working. And you could, no one can knock his game at all. Right? His assists were something you see from the best clubs yeah. in the world. Right? Vision, technique, execution. Unreal pass. Yep. Unreal pass. No doubt. Right? And then even his technical side of the game, 95% passing accuracy, only 10% of his passes were backwards. And you could tell during the game, every time he got the ball, he turned and looked forward. Yeah, they played... He was this... You know, his, the whole counter-attack was about him, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It, it was. And he was he was the attacking threat that Everton needed. Mm-hmm. And they have needed for a long time. It'd be interesting to see if how... Everson, if Marco Silva gets another game, which it looks like he will, how they go about that, whether they keep the system, maybe play him in a different system. But yeah, no, I thought he was unreal. He really was. Well, good. I think the, the right wing back and the left wing back were so quick to get up the pitch. Even though they, they defended as a 5-4-1, they attacked with so much pace and so much, I guess, directness yeah. that they, they proved to be a threat. Mm. They did, 100%. Sure. So um, I think that's pretty much all we can really say. I mean, Everton... You know, honestly, I can't criticize. I've been harsh on Everton this season, but I can't sit here and criticize them today. I felt so sorry for them. Yeah, and they deserve more. They, they, they did. They really did deserve more. They did deserve more. You could tell they were low on confidence the way they set up, but they built in confidence during the game. Yeah. I think that's why it was the biggest sucker punch possible. Anyway, Leicester, Leicester train keeps rolling on and Everton continue to struggle, and that's where we'll finish up that game. Let's move on now to a segment we haven't had for two weeks, maybe, and that is on or off side. It's good to have this one back. I've, I've missed it. It is, and there's been some huge talking points, especially in the last week. We've seen 
a manager be sacked in Unai Emery, the Ballon d'Or done this morning, mm-hmm. and then also plenty of raci- um, racism incidents happening over the weekend Again. in every league in the world. Mm-hmm. So, Woody, do you want me to start with you? Yeah, so, please do. I, I'm going to give you one here, Woody. Yeah. Van Dyke was robbed of the Ballon d'Or. Um, look, I am going to say onside. Because Van Dyke, as if everyone knows anything about football, they'll know they'll see the Ballon d'Or results this morning. So Van Dyke finished second this morning and was actually the favourite to take it out when Liverpool clinched the um, Champions League crown at the end of, uh, earlier on this year. So for me, there is no question that there is a bias on this on this award, and and let's figure out where it is because it really intrigues me. I think a lot of people don't actually see clearly where it is. So does Messi winning the Ballon d'Or show that the award is an attacker's award? No, because Modric won last year, mm-hmm. right? But it puts more bias on that La Liga, right? The La Liga have won six, six out of the last six. <laughs> well, you got to see the players who are playing there. It's a two-horse man. race, mate. It is a two-horse race. Let's be real. No, no, don't ah uh, me. Just... Let's be real, okay? So... Van Dyke missing out is a complete and utter joke. I, I'm so really? pissed off. So pissed off. I'm because, surprised by this. I, mate, I'm, the I'm last defender to win was in Fabio, uh, um, who was it? Cannavaro. Uh, Cannavaro in 2006. Yep. 2006. That's 13 years ago. And you cannot tell me, you cannot tell me that there's been a defender that hasn't dominated the game like since Cannavaro. Well, am, I okay, am I okay to rebut you on this? Yeah, I don't think I, we've had yeah. a rebuttal on, on the owner offside. Yeah. All right. Go. Come on. Hit me. Look, I just want to say, Liverpool, th- this is a 2019 award year. The Ballon d'Or is a calendar year award. Yep. Okay? Yep. Liverpool have kept like two cl- league clean sheets this season. Yep. If you asked me who's going to win the Ballon d'Or before this season started, I would have been, yet yeah, fair enough, Van Dyke. Yep. But Messi, if you look from January 1st up until now, he has been absolutely clinical the whole time. I mean, the man has like 50 goals in 54 games. It's ridiculous. Along with 17 assists. Okay. He scores in every competition. When Bar, I'll give you an example. Okay. Yeah. Last season, Barcelona were an average side. Average side. Liverpool yep. beating them 4-0 tells you that. They only beat Man United 1-0. Okay. Yeah. They won La Liga because of him, because yep. of Lionel Messi. Yep. I, look, you know, I actually think I like Cristiano Ronaldo. In, if I had to pick one of them, both in their prime, I'd actually take Ronaldo. Yeah. But, I mean, Messi, we're talking about a guy who's European top scorer, Champions League top scorer, La Liga top scorer, La Liga most assists, most La, La Liga men of the match awards. Do you want me to keep going? Because be, I'll be yeah, here till right, midnight. Finish it off. Come on. <laughs> most hat tricks, most free kicks, most goals from outside the box. Just most. Yeah. Lionel, most messy. Okay? <laughs> nice. But you know what? It would be awesome if they had a game where they played each other to see who was better. Oh, wait! <laughs> they did! They did! And you know who won? Liverpool won. Alright, but... Mate, Van Dyke sat his boot in Messi's Messi face. Messi scored two goals against Liverpool yep. the game before that in the first leg. Oh, look, yep. they're both quality players. Neither of us are denying that. But yep. I just think... You, you're being a bit harsh on Messi, a victim of his own standards, as you like to say, Woody. Oh. Oh. Yeah, let's move on, because <laughs> I don't think we're going to win this debate anyway. <laughs> so, Damo, on or offside, the story of West Ham's keeper on the weekend, David Martin, is truly one of the reasons why we fall in love with football. Yeah, this is a massive onside, not even, no doubt about it. 
Look, the West Ham goalkeeper, David Martin, embraced his father. Uh, Alvin, the West Ham legend after the game in the stands, after keeping a clean sheet uh, at Stamford Bridge. Now, this guy had played for MK Dons and Millwall, and he was a West Ham fan his whole life. You know, he's 33 now. Was a third choice keeper at West Ham coming into this season. You could, oh, look, I'm not speaking on behalf of him, but you can imagine he was just happy to be at the club, you know, finally after all these years to be a part of the club he loved so much. And to get that, imagine what it would have been like being, for him being told you're about to make your Premier League debut against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, a team we haven't beaten here for 17 years, and he goes and does that. It's a man of the match performance. And, um, yeah, no, it's just unbelievable story. And, uh, the scenes when the final whistle went and he pretty much dropped to his knees and started crying. All his, yeah, all his teammates. When he ran to his dad in the stands yeah, as well. Just unbelievable. Yeah. Complete onside. All right. Woody. Yo. In-game protests are not the way to stop racism in the game. Uh, on side. Look, I, I have thought about this one because, um, look, a lot of, all has happened over the weekend. I'm going to send this one to VAR 50-50 and it's not because racism is, you know, we, we both know, and we've said it so many times, Sammy Sammy loves chirping up about this, that racism has no place in the game at all. Of course. Right? But professional soccer players in Holland stood still for the first minute of the weekend's matches to protest a game where one of the black play, one of the, one of the darker players, so a, a black player mm-hmm. had received, um, I think it was, uh, some, some, a black plate, black Pete chant mm-hmm. or, or something. So, um, some, some sort of pirate reference. Um, during a game um, in the Eredivisie and the Ursa Divisie as well, so the two top flight leagues in um, in Holland, both both um, leagues, every single game they stopped the first minute. All right, yep. But that minute got added on to the end of the half. Okay, for me, what I want to see is players boycotting games, not really? boycotting a minute. You think it should be more? If you look at every single protest in history that has created change, doesn't matter what sport it is in. Okay, it is radical to start off with because it's the only way people are going to listen to know that there is going to be consequences. You've surprised it, me this episode, Woody. You really have. Why? Oh no, I, I, I'm not saying it's the wrong thing to do. I, I'm, I tend to agree, yeah. but I just didn't think you'd have you'd have this opinion. I, so I, you, but I, I just don't see how anything is going to change if you're taking away a minute and adding it on. You're still playing 45 minutes. People are clapping for one minute, but yet there are still racist chants in the game. Yeah, fair enough. I, I, Fair call. Fair yeah. call. I can't argue. Can't All really right. argue. Demo. Honor offside. Football punditry hit a new low. Look, to steer away from the seriousness of our previous honor offside. Yeah. I'll finish up with this one. Look, I love Paul Scholes. He's one of, if not the greatest midfielder of the Premier League era, but come on, mate. <laughs> come on. Okay. Freddie Lundberg, in his first game as Arsenal manager, yeah. decided to rock the Arsenal track seat. And he's come out and said, you would think he'd be out in a suit to show his proud bit of proudness that he took the job. To me, that's a great start. Shirt and tie to show some discipline. I don't think he's the right man. Well, firstly, Scalzi, mate. When you were in charge of Oldham in your first game, you didn't you didn't wear a suit. Okay, <laughs> I know it's a little bit of a different situation, but like, yeah, I bet if it was if Solskjaer came out in his first game as Man United manager and didn't wear a suit, you wouldn't be saying this. I, I think there's a little bit of a hatred and, you know, he's enjoying the fact that Arsenal are bad. But come on, mate. That is just, you would not hear this sort of content on the Premier League nightclub. Dude, like, Scalzi is 
so he has swallowed a box of sour heads. Honestly, he's so sour. <laughs> down to his core. It was, so it was pretty sour. ordinary punditry. So oh, yeah. channeling his oh. inner Roy Keane, I reckon. Big, big onside. Now, Woody. Yeah. Close, close your laptop. Get rid of your notes. Yes. Okay? All right, alrighty. Because this is something we've had in the works for a while. We've had audio difficulties. We've had technical difficulties. Some would argue they're both the same thing, but I'm just We've had linguistic difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a shambles, but today we're finally on top of it. And we're finally going to introduce our game show. Alrighty, so this is how basically it's going to work. Uh, each week on Twitter, we're going to put out a post, you know, well, whenever we're doing the game show, put out a post to see who wants to come on and, you know, we'll pick a person who's commented or replied to the tweet to come on. Basically, it's a who am I, uh, which team am I, or what manager am I? There'll be five rounds. Uh, you, you you come on and you can pick who you want to play against. Uh, on this occasion, it has to be Woody, but usually if you come on and Sam's here, it'll be Woody, uh, Woody or Sam, and you can pick, <laughs> pick who you want to play against. But, of course, this week it has to be Woody. Uh, there'll be, as I said, five rounds. Uh, the topics I just said will be the topics. There'll be two for player, two for team, and one for manager. There's five clues per topic. You get one guess, Woody. Okay. Yeah. The once you've guessed, if you're right, you win the round. If you don't get it right, the other person can listen to the rest of the clues, all the, the all the whether it be two left, three left, whatever it is, and they get their chance. It's the winner is obviously first to three. If if both per- people don't know the answer, that round's a draw. And if it ends one one two two or z- even zero zero, it's a draw. There's no extra time. We are end Mate, game is a draw. As people like to say, this is bloody complicated. Just you'll understand as you all right, all right, all right. go on with it. Okay. So this week we s- sent out the Twitter question, and we've actually got the winner of our. Uh, Twitter competition giveaway on because he was pretty keen to get involved in the game show. So we thought, yeah, why not? The winner of our winner of our competition gets first go at the new game. So we've got Josh with us. Josh, thanks so much for coming on, Matt. G'day, guys. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> All right, first question off the bat, before we get into the competition, we screwed up your surname last week. How do you pronounce it? Uh, don't worry, boys. You're not the first guys to uh, to mess that up, but it's it's Sekulovsky. Sekulovsky. Okay. Sek- Sekulovsky. Yeah, you nailed it, big boy. Awesome. Fans <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man's> confident. Fans <laughs> confident. All right. So, well, as I said uh, just before, you usually get to pick, but you have to play against Woody today. Bring it on, mate. Um, Josh, just Sorry, just a quick question: Who do you support in the Premier League? I'm a Chelsea supporter. Oh, that that would make sense because we did yeah. send, we did send you the Chelsea top during the week. Hopefully that comes to you sooner you rather did, than later. You did, and it was. Uh, oh, it's, it's arrived, has it? Much for that. Oh, sweet, sweet, sweet. Alrighty, uh, we get stuck into the first round. Uh, it is time for the game show. Alright, first up, first clue. I played in the Swiss. So he's a player. Yes, he's a player. Oh, yep. I played in the Swiss. German, Italian, and English leagues. Actually, sorry, just quickly, your na- your buzzer is your name. Yep. Okay. Easy. Clue number two. I have I have played in the Premier League since 2015. Am currently still playing. I've played for two clubs and won one trophy in my time so far. Since joining my current club in 2018, I've made just 26 appearances. Nick. 
Shakiri. Yeah. Yes! <laughs> Come on! First one! Nico, Woody, let's go! <laughs> Not even a word in, big boy! Who's big boy now? Who's big boy now? Come on, mate. Big boy. Alright. picked up on the Swiss there. Alright. <laughs> so, Josh, are you, you understanding how the game works now? You all good? Yeah, absolutely. Alright. Second round, so it's 1-0 to Woody. Name that team. We have won seven top division uh, titles in England. However, we've never won the Premier League. On the weekend, we had two Brazilian players in our starting lineup. Neither of them are defenders, but also neither of them scored a goal. Clue number three. We are currently playing in the Premier League, but we have been relegated. Nick. Newcastle. No. I'll just finish that clue for you, Josh. We are currently playing in the Premier League, but we have been relegated and come back up once since 1992, so anywhere in that time period. Our club captain is English. And final clue is we we were the FA Cup runners-up in the 2014-15 season. Do you know who it is? Do you know who it is, Josh? I'm just going to take a stab at... Villa. Yes. Oh, no. oh Steve. I can't tell you. It is. It's Aston Villa. Far out. <laughs> All right, well done. It's so one one. Stiff. It's one oh, one. That was me thinking of the of the big boy Wesley up front. That, that sort of tipped me off. Yeah, that was one of the Brazilians. The other one was that Douglas Louise. Douglas Louise. Well, there you go. I didn't even think of him. That was a pure. Kill. <laughs> I mean, I Alright, have you been following the NC's two time goal of the week champion? Legend of the nightclub. Alrighty. Oh, my bad. N- topic number three, name that manager. I have had a variety of managerial jobs in the Premier League. Some include, but not a limited to, Swansea City and Watford. I have won seven honours as a manager in my career. All of these honours came with one club, and this club does not play in the Premier League. I am currently a manager in the Premier League. The team I am with now, this is my first full season in charge. Number five, final clue. I was a part of the youth setup in charge of the youth team at Chelsea during Jose Mourinho's first reign. Jesus. Uh, Either of you want to chip in? Uh, yeah, Nick. Yes. Was it Marco Silva? No. Mm. Got a guess for us? I'm gonna have a stab at Nuno Santo, considering my first guess went alright. No. Mm. Incorrect. The correct answer was actually Brendan Rodgers. That's rough. That's rough. So the score is still 1-1. The fourth round now. I have played... Uh, name that player. I have played in the Premier League from 2006 to 2010. I made 105 league appearances, scoring 16 goals as a midfield player. My nationality is German. I have an icon card. Nick, 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 Nick. Yes. Balash. Oh, 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nico. The um the final clue was I've won one Premier League title and was a runner up in the Champions League final. So there you go. Yeah. That there you go. Got no, All right. Final one. Two one. Two one. Name that team. We have never won the English top division. However, in our relegation in 2005, ended a 27-year run in English top league. During our relegation, we actually then went down to League One, but then worked our way back up to the Championship and eventually got back into the Premier League in 2012 and have been there ever since. Number three, we... We're runners-up in the 2016-17 League Cup Final. Number four. In previous seasons, our managers have... In, in recent seasons, our managers have gone on to manage bigger clubs. One manager even got a job at one of the top six clubs in England. Final one is one of our ex-players has won the Champions League four times. Let me get to the fifth one. I've already forgotten the first one. Nick. Yes. Nick. Um, Champions League four times. That means he has to play for Madrid to be Gareth Bale. Is the team Southampton? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Nico. And that is a th- three-one Mate, win. The team. only thing you're winning is our Twitter competition, <laughs> champ. Back off the air. Back off the air, big boy. Smoke me. Absolutely smoke. But I guess that's why. That's why the big boy's on the podcast and I'm not, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> don't be too harsh on yourself, Josh. Don't, do, don't lose too much sleep over it. I'm sure you'll bounce back. Oh, that's alright. Right. Thank you so much for coming on. Boys. Thank you very much for coming on. Cheers, mate. Not a problem. Anytime. Enjoy the Happy rest of your here. night and keep listening to the Premier League Nightclub. Always, mate. Always. You guys enjoy. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. See you, mate. See ya. Catch ya. Bye. Woody, mate. You... you been crowned our first first winner. You you, you were pretty pumped. I'm pretty you, pumped. I'm pretty pumped. <laughs> For everyone out there, I just want to thank a few people. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, we, we know you love a long speech, mate. We oh. know you love a long speech, but that's a story for another time. And I think it's been a long episode, actually. Didn't, it has been. Didn't expect it to be this long, so we'll stick a bow on this stick one. Stick a bow on this one, mate. You like to say uh, it'll just be us. For the, you know, next month, as we said. Yep. Uh, hopefully you got another podcast out prior to the next, next weekend's action. So anywhere yep. between maybe, you know, around Friday or Saturday. Yep. Probably about Saturday Australian time. So, yep. you know, maybe Friday night if you live, uh, in Europe. Make sure to keep an eye on the socials. Would yeah, you? you can find us at Insta at Premier League Nightclub. Or you can find us on the Twitter at EPL Nightclub, where of course, if you want to get on next week's game show or any game show that, you know, we do on this, sh- on this podcast. Uh, make sure to check that out and, you know, put notifications on so you know when we tweet. We tend to pick the first people that comment, let's be real. Yep. Don't we, Woody? And, of course, yeah, we've got questions of the week and stuff like that, so it's always good to get involved. Woody, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. We'll be back. Uh, we got some big games. As I said, Man United-Tottenham, probably the biggest one of the midweek. We get to cook some scrambled eggs and watch the game. I was, You know me, Woody. <laughs> I love the midweek early morning games. <laughs> so, yeah, they're good fun. But uh, it's been a pleasure, Woody. I'm happy to wrap this one up. Let's do it, Damo. Cheers, guys. See you next time. Stay up.
So I heard from my sister's friend's cousin that Kohl's has the lowest prices of the season and had to see for myself. For real, the deals are so good. I got my kids' summer tees for $5.99, a cute swimsuit for myself for $17.99, and a shark vacuum for $199.99, which will be great after Sandy Beach Days. I got Kohl's cash, too, and I got it all in less than an hour with free store pickup. So, yeah, summer, I'm ready for you. Select styles ends May 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. Sports Social Podcast Network.